I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the final Clash of the Titles, Clash of Ween Countdown. The podcast that for the last time this October pits two horror movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why, because a terrifying murderous person thing is doing some murdering. We're not having a holly jolly holiday in 1974's Black Christmas. While in the blue corner, what better way to end our countdown to All Hallows' Eve than in the company of its unofficial mascot? We're taking a trip to Haddonfield as we try and get behind the shape's mask in 1978's Halloween. Hello? Hello? Hey, quiet! It's him again! The Mona! I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. So it's a slasher sandwich this week, but which film will have the cut and thrust to be victorious? Let's find out. Welcome to the final Clash of the Titles, Clash of Countdown. Ah, 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 ah. Hello, Clash Butters. Hello. 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 I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Bill. <laughs> 
I'm Chris. <laughs> Welcome to our final Clash Halloween as we end our countdown to the greatest night of the year with horror clashes to get you in the mood for all Hallow's Eve. So soon, so sad. We're here already. Yeah. How's everyone feeling? Good. Well, I mean, we're not quite there oh, because we this, do have something this, coming on it's, Halloween. I sort of. I mean, I know. Tinged with horror. We can't say what it is yet. Yeah, spoil it, but. Yeah. I mean, all right. The horror fine. isn't ending this right. week. It is. It absolutely is. But fine. All right. I'm not going to argue about it. How are you, Victoria? I'm really well, thanks. Cool. Yeah. How am I? Interesting question. Thanks for asking, team. I uh, I think I've eaten some bad mayonnaise. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> You've been quite chipper for it. Uh, Fuck off! I'm, I'm putting on a brave face. My stomach is uh, is is doing knots. It was mayonnaise that I believe has been was off. Uh, well, it's, it was from a barbecue this summer, and I believe it soured in the sun. And then I refrigerated it, and I ran out of my good mayonnaise. So I was like, I definitely want mayonnaise. So I'm going to run the gauntlet, and oh. it was it was a bad. Call. But was it? No, so it wasn't worth it. It sounds like it might have been worth it. it was, I'm just, I'm, I'm in a bit of pain now, so if I rush out, you know oh why. Oh my God, because you're going to shit yourself. <laughs> it always comes out the front end. I very rarely go rear. Oh, really? Do you know what? You're lucky, actually. Mm, Which yeah. would you prefer? Always front end. Always front. I'm yeah. one of those people who can vomit just like, and get straight back into and get the it done. party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just like evacuate and I'm good. Yeah. You know, people who vomit and then they're like, oh, I can't do anything. I have yeah. to lie down. Not me. No. Not me. Professional vomiter. <laughs> Professional vomiter. Okay, so this is part one of Black Christmas versus Halloween. Chris's choices this week. What's the thinking, Tilzo? Because we've done this for three years and we haven't done Halloween. It's mad. <laughs> we've got to do Halloween. It's the first slasher, so it's an important piece of cinema history. Or is, is it? Or is it? No, the answer is no, it's not. Is More it? on that today. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I really want to do Halloween 3, and we can't do Halloween 3 until we've done Halloween. <laughs> okay, wow. And also, final reason is I very much want to here your Loomis impression on Thursday <laughs> and Vicky's Billy impression today and if you aren't doing Billy today Vicky I'll be very disappointed oh. okay so lots of good reasons plenty of reasons what was the clue you gave on last week's show remind me did I give a clue oh it was something to do with it being clash of the festive ho- holiday horrors like I that. don't think it was, but all right, fine. You can't remember. I thought it was it's a special time of year. or the No, it was, it was Clash of the Festive Horrors or Clash of the Holiday Horrors. All right, Holiday fine. Horrors, yeah. All right, fine, it was. It was. I take it back. Okay, and the, the clue on uh, Twitter that you follow up with, it was a work of art, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Not the content, but uh, the way it was filmed. Uh, oh, right. It was epic. So it was good, you have to film pan. it twice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You, did, you didn't say Slash loud enough. Oh, my God, I'm not Frank Sinatra. I need more than one take. <laughs> uh, it was simply Slash. Because mm. I pretended oh, I'd yeah. been for one, but yeah. it was because they're both slashers. Just, I think sometimes we should just watch those clues, and I don't need to repeat them because they they're, they're visual clues and they really work better <laughs> in the in the social media setting. You can find them on our Twitter at ClashPod. Uh, so your guesses were discovered slashing their way through the competition on our Twitter at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod with loads of saucy extras and videos from the show. Uh, also, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel for some very funny videos. Uh, I got our editor's name wrong last week, so massive apologies, Banyabat. I don't know how I turned Banyabat into Chris. <laughs> Uh, that's a massive swing from me. I just, I guess you're always on my mind, Tilzo. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, but he has created some wonderful videos. They're all on our YouTube channel. That's our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel. Anyway, uh, congratulations, Rob McLean and Rick Ch- Rich Cracknell, who got the right answer, but the first correct answer this week. Well done. Peter White. Your prize is filthy Billy. I thought you did. Nasty Billy. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> 
So please enjoy that. <laughs> Don't steal Vicky's thunder. No, please do. <laughs> uh, shall we do the connection section? Point of view shots from yeah. the killer. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is the first mm. big one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, murderous tableaus. They both create sort of artworks out of their um, out of their murders. Well, yeah. Okay. No, Vicky. Yeah. You're not buying that. You mean out of the bodies? Yes. Oh, I think it's voyeuristic and. Humiliating, but fine. It can be a tableau if you like. She doesn't know art, Chris. That's a problem. <laughs> That's true. Uh, phones. I got so sick of the sound of an old phone ringing. I watched these films really close together, and I was like, if I hear that noise one more mm. time, well, you don't hear it anymore. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the sort of prank phone calls that aren't prank phone calls uh, happens in both films. Uh, fire for 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 her. Never seen the killer's face in either, really. Are you going to do the one about... Um, you, you definitely see oh, the killer's face actually, I, just, I don't know why I wrote that one down. You do, yeah. Which, there's plenty to talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah. I take that one back. Bad call. Ha- Halloween is the sequel to Black Christmas. Discuss. Okay, it's not. Okay, or Chris. Is it? <laughs> um, girls dying until the end where a bloke dies. Yeah. Sure? Uh, yeah. I think, I think a bloke is the last person to be killed in both films. No. Michael Wait. Myers... Are you talking about Michael Myers? Oh, no, he, he gets killed second to last in Halloween, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Bob. Bob, yeah, yeah his girlfriend no, gets Linda, hit next. Linda, yeah. Linda, Linda with her boobs out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, both of the films end up back in the house looking around. That's yes. correct. Now, mm. Yeah, when you said about tableaus, that's what I was thinking of, because they do put, move through, don't they, mm. to show the, the just, empty like, destruction. Empty hallways, yeah. empty corridors, empty yeah. rooms. Yeah. Oh, I've got one. So, babysitters... So, Black Christmas is based around the urban legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs. It was at some point in its iteration. And when um, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill started on Halloween, it was called The Babysitter Murders. Incorrect. No, that's not incorrect. It is incorrect. That's a myth, an urban myth. It was, no! I watched the man who came up with Halloween say in a documentary... It was always called Halloween. That's a lie. Well, it was never called The Babysitter the Murders. The other thing is, I did read that by the time they got the script, it was called Halloween. But then I read it in so many places that I've just parroted it as truth. Yeah, and, and in the DVD, in the essay within the casing, it says that as well. I'm just telling you. Fair it's enough, fine. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Long time ago. Mm. A lot changes in 40 years. He's Memory. still alive. Erwin Yablans said it wasn't ever called that. I watched him say it. Are you okay. calling the exec producer of Halloween a liar because he's still with us and he's very litigious? No. It's funny because in the book <laughs> it says that it was called The Babysitter Murders until he suggested changing it to Halloween. That's what I read! So, so he can, he's taking credit away from himself. <laughs> anyway, yeah, connection section done. Uh, yeah, did you want to go bigger on where the Black Christmas... All right, and- so there's an interview with um, Bob... Cl- is he called Bob Clark? Mm. Bollocks. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, I've just got a lot of uh, last names. So he says he wasn't not he wasn't going to do a sequel to Black Christmas. Black Christmas came out, it didn't set the world on fire, but then he met John Carpenter, and John Carpenter said, oh, you know, are you going to do a sequel to Black Christmas? And he said no, but he's like, but if you did, what would it be like? And he's like, well, Billy has escaped from a mental institution, his words, goes back to the house and it starts all over again, and Bob Clark said, and I would call it Halloween. Hmm. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but he, then I read lots of other interviews where he's like, there's no way that it was stolen, it's a completely organic idea. It, that is just a conversation that I had with John Carpenter at some point. Yeah, 100%. That's what he said. He said, the truth is John didn't copy Black Christmas. He wrote the script, a script, directed the script, did the casting. Halloween is his movie. And besides, the script came to him already titled anyway. He liked Black Christmas and he may have been influenced by it, but in no way 
did John Carpenter copy this idea? Your Honour. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, connection section done. So, on Thursday, I'll be dealing with the Haddonfield man of mystery, Michael Myers. Which means today, V is saying, Merry Black Christmas, everyone. V, take mm-hmm. us on a journey. Hi, I'm Billy and I'll be home for Christmas, specifically in your home, specifically in the attic of your home, because that's the one place no one would ever think to look for me or the body of your friend I've murdered, even though there's an open hatch to said attic and a ladder that I've been shimmying up and down at will. Handily, there's a sort of groupthink that renders the attic invisible to absolutely everyone, including all the police who will fail to check the attic, even if they're after they found three bodies in the house. I'll also make obscene phone calls to lovely, boring Jess and talk about babies and warts and abortions and, uh uh-oh, I'm not Billy, I'm Horrible Peter, Jess's dickhead boyfriend, and I've been murdering everyone and taunting Jess on the phone, screaming and howling about Agnes, and on a way, maybe the timeline doesn't quite work. Maybe Peter isn't Billy, Peter is just Peter, and Billy is still in the house. Let's ask the one person who might be able to confirm that and clear it all up. I mean, if we're not going to search the house properly, at least we can interview the final girl. But oh no, we can't, because even though she's 100% murdered someone for which she should probably go to prison or at least hospital for a bit. She's drugged without her consent and left alone in a murder house and an attic full of corpses. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> you must enough for now, Missy. You take the what do they what do they give her? Like morphine? That's enough. See you in the morning. She needs to sleep it off. Yeah. But they're like, they're like, oh, we can't believe she killed him. She was Have these drugs. <laughs> I'm gonna just my words, Kevin. She was a hysterical woman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. That's just a woman, Alex. <laughs> um okay, so this is my first watch. I but I'd heard of the remix, but I wasn't very aware of this, to be honest. No. Me neither. This is a first watch for me. I was sort of aware of it, aware of it, because I kept getting phone calls going Black Christmas, blah, blah, Black Christmas. That all came from Chris's number. <laughs> Apologies. So, uh, so I wanted I, you to watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here we are. I'd barely heard of this until I started at Hot Dog when uh, people were fans of slasher movies on that magazine, and we did a lot of stuff on Halloween. And I thought, oh, I should check out this other one, and watched it, and I was super excited because I was like, it's not the first slasher. This is the first slasher. They copied everything. I can't believe this. And I was annoyed and realised everyone else knew that as well. So, um, yeah, I thought it'd be exciting to put them side by side. So I haven't watched it since then. But I remember being absolutely bloody terrified by this film the first time I watched it. Were you? Mm. How old did you say you were? 22. Okay. 23. Do we not count Psycho as a slasher then? I do. Well, of course. And and there there are variations. Psycho is a good example. Peeping Tom. Yep most famously uh, by Michael Powell. And then, of course, the Italian uh, cinema, the Giallos, were, were making a lot of films that were like this. I guess what these films did different that separates them and makes them the modern slasher, I think, is they made them about teens aimed at teenagers. Mm. And that's what we think of the modern slasher as. So that's, sure, yeah. that's, I think, the difference. I think that is fair. Well, let me tell you a small piece about this film, yes? Mm, please do. All right, so it was written by Roy Moore, based on the urban legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs, which I only know from Point Horror Books, but I don't I don't know if you are familiar with. I don't know where I know it from, but I'm fully aware of it. It was a story that I was told yes. by people to scare me about <laughs> yeah. uh, the ki- check on the kids. The kids are check on the kids. The yeah. phone call coming into the house. But there was like I, I did a bit of reading about it, and all the different variations. There's like a billion different variations yeah. of the same theme. Yeah, I think the key point is that the, it's the phone calls that are coming from inside the house. That's mm. the the scary part of that story. Um, 
And then, but he also took his inspiration from there's a true story of a boy who uh, killed his family as well. So there's a lot of sort of gruesome inspiration as well as false um, stories about, you know, there is no babysitter and man upstairs kind of thing. Uh, so that, like I said, it was called The Babysitter. Then it was rewritten and all the action is moved to a university and it was called Stop Me. And then producer director Bob Clark wanted it to be less of it was actually quite a straightforward slash up. So he apparently added in, he dialed back the murder stuff as in less gruesome, I guess, although it kind of ramped up it's gruesome i think barb's death is pretty nasty um yeah but i don't think there's any penetration in it like i don't think you ever see um a knife go into a person no that's there's hardly any blood as well in this film it's um no I, th- I think it's leaving a lot to the imagination, more than even Halloween does. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because he thought that those it was too violent. And um, he gets credit for doing a lot of the characterisation. So that <laughs> bit where, where uh, Barb, who's Margot Kiddo, she's got maybe some drinking issues, but she gets to do a lot of like fun, drunken rants. And it's obviously a little bit sad because she's got like abandonment issues and stuff. But um, stuff like that, you know, Bob Clark put in. And I did read that it was his idea that you'd never see the killer. So you see Billy's eye, or Peter's eye, whoever it is scary moment really scary really scary a wide open mm. like frantic eye um and roy moore apparently didn't want to go along with it but i i do think you know it's obviously brilliant um yeah i mean it's i mean i think michael myers is very very scary because you can see him but can't see him but i think this might be scarier it's weird though because the moment there's a moment where you do see his legs and he is wearing flares, which uh, obviously <laughs> at the time people were like, yeah, of course, it's, it's the 70s. But yeah. when you see it in the modern light of day... Someone lightened up a picture of the only image you get of him in the film. That's what it looks like. I'll put that on our Twitter. Oh, is my God. Billy? Yeah, when you can see him in the sort of bauble or something, he gets reflected and someone lightened that image. Wow. I found it on Reddit. <laughs> that's amazing. So that's what Brilliant. he looks like. If you want it spoiled, I'll stick it on our Twitter. After. Weirdly... Uh, he looks quite scary. Yeah. Even though he's got a very 70s BG style haircut, <laughs> he still looks menacing. Yeah, stick that on the Twitter. Uh, so, Cassie, so Olivia Hussey as Jess. I, like I said, I didn't know much about this film, but then when I realised Olivia Hussey was in it, I was almost like, I can't watch it because we got made to watch Romeo and Juliet so many times at hmm. school that I almost can't look at that woman's face. Not her fault, a good film. Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. But, and she's great in it, but they just... I don't think they could be shitted to take us through the book. So they were like, just watch it on the telly. So we watched it so many millions of times and it's boring if <laughs> but, you're 30. Yeah, but a pretty big star, really. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. And, and, and quite a, a big departure from if you knew her from Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> which most people would have. I mean, yeah, apart from, oh, do you mean because she's pregnant? Because well, it's a horror film. Well, no, I know, but she's quite innocent, isn't she? Uh, sure, her character's film. not that different. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, she, did you read how she, why she decided to do the part? I, and this makes me... I have such short shrift for <laughs> fucking bollocks like this. <laughs> I read, tell me what you read. She signed on because she had a psychic and the psychic told her, very specific, you will make a film in Canada that would earn you a great deal of money. <laughs> so she was like, cool, where's it shooting? Canada? Brilliant. I, who knows? I mean, anyone that has a psychic, I have no sympathy for you. You get what you deserve kind of thing. I found a, a quote from Margot Kidder saying, uh, she said, uh, the film uh, was fun. I really bonded with Andrea Martin filming in Toronto and Ontario. Olivia Hussey was a bit of an odd one. She was obsessed with the idea of falling in love with Paul McCartney through her sidekick. We were a little hard on her for things like that. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Margot Kidder ever pulled any punches. So <laughs> no. I bet that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Margot Kidder's in it. Uh, Lynn Griffin as Claire. Um, <laughs> I read an interview with her where she 
said, um, she, she's joking, but um, she told the producers that she was a really good swimmer and could hold her breath so that she'd be wrapped in plastic for quite a long time mm. um, and that she could pull that off. And then Nick Mancuso, the almost Indiana Jones. So you've told us that story before, haven't you? He's, Chris, you know, you told us a story about an actor that went to audition for Indiana Jones, but his hat fell off or something. Was mm. that Nick Mancuso? No, no, it was someone that got a big role in something else. Yeah. And Tom Selleck. I can't remember who was it. No, it can't be. I mean, he famously was up for Indiana Jones, but couldn't get out of Magnum PI. Yes. So anyway, Nick Mancuso does the voices, and when he auditioned, he did it with his back to the director, so that he could just do the. And I think the voices are just insanely good. And I liked this. Nick Mancuso said that some of the ways he achieved those voices was to um, do it upside down, Hmm. which is what I told you. If you, you don't have to do this anymore, but back in the day when you had to pull a sickie, you hang upside down off your bed. And you always sound weird and ill. You don't ring in sick anymore because we're too old, and also the internet is a thing. Yeah, but you, don't back- want, you don't want to sound like Billy when you call it. <laughs> no, no. But like back when you had a shitty pub job, you're going to put your tongue where? <laughs> uh, so which I quite like. It didn't do very well. It's now you know it's easy to say. It's a cult classic. I think it probably does earn that title because right. Yeah, it made money. Yeah. yeah. It, it just didn't get as much plaudits as exactly. Halloween did, yes. uh, which could be said it was uh, Halloween was quite inspired by it. Did you ever? Did you ever think it was taking place in America? It's it's one of these weird films I think that's so obviously Canadian that never for a second do I think it's set in America, even though they tried by putting like uh, stars and stripes on a desk in the police station. I was going to ask you that because but, but the like, man... they, they're going to play, they're playing ice hockey. They've got Canadian accents. It's <laughs> yeah. just, it just feels. Canadian. And I don't really have the ear for it. You know when you watch American talk shows or whatever, and they're like, "Hey, get this Canadian off! Listen to this!" and they're like killing themselves laughing because he says moose or something. I actually can't hear it. I'm like, you just really? sound, you just sound oh, like from the really? US. It, yeah. it, Canadians sound like Terence and Philip and Americans yeah, yeah. come. Yeah, I, I just... <laughs> hey, just... Philip, what's that to boot? <laughs> I just, I don't know. That's Canadian. Yeah. But anyway, what's the police officer in this? He's, that's the most Canadian voice I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. And it's fucking freezing. And so, yeah, yeah I never for one second no, thought that. Fair enough. Okay, uh, shall we talk about the film mm. alright so the sorority house here we are it's Christmas the lights are super twinkly oh it's beautiful I it know. looks like the front of a Christmas card it does and yeah. Silent Night is playing and that's the best Christmas carol so what could possibly go wrong I'm not I'm obviously just trying to think if that is the best Christmas carol we've had this conversation before yeah. and it's fair, it's fair to revise it it's definitely for me it is it's the stand, gold standard I know what the worst is which is a way in a manger why is that the worst because it's jerky. I just I, I, manger oh, it's not a word that you use regularly <laughs> and so, so true. I just find it a weird word now um, yeah i tell you what I read sorry I know that we should keep it tight um a really, <laughs> a really interesting article about what there are some words that only survive. They're really old words, and we they only survive because they're part of like um, a phrase that you wouldn't use, and you don't use the word in any other way apart from the phrase. So, for instance, when you say kith and kin, mm. well, you never say kith outside of kith and kin. So, there's loads of phrases like that. that Give us a kith. <laughs> right. Jesus, come on, it's one of those. <laughs> anyway, I'll send you the article. It's really interesting. He liked that. Look at you. Look at you. You got a tooth smile. Thank you. Yeah. I nearly gave you a kiss. <laughs> that is right up his street, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, sorry, that was a little sidebar. So anyway, we've got a super famous point of view shot. Not famous from this film, but famous nonetheless. <laughs> it's um, mad, isn't it? I just, when I saw this, because I know Chris has said, I think there's a lot of similarities. And I was like, well, we'll see about that. Yeah. Bloody hell. The whole opening, when he even sort of looks up yeah. to the window yeah. and sees people through the glass. And the breathing as well. I think the breathing here is kind of scarier, though, because it's a slight wheeze it's to raggedy, it. raggedy, mm. yeah. But also, they had the technology by the time Halloween rolled around, because we talked about on the Rocky episode, that that... Panavision camera, whatever. Panaglide. Panaglide was invented for Rocky pretty much in between these two movies. But here they had had to build a special rig so that the cameraman could could do the shots. But also he's climbing the trellis himself, that (laughs) cameraman. (laughs) And cameras were big back then. They weren't like our iPhones. So I'm I'm all power to the cameraman for not dying on this film. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and like you say, you know, he's lurching. So you you understand you're in a POV shot. So you understand that the person and then he seals the trellis and that this this him is going to get into the house but the lurching and the and he's got something so I've talked to you about this before it's do you know what when I say sticky voice do you know what I mean and I'm doing it leaning back from the microphone so it's my yeah. tacky <laughs> that sort of yeah. tackiness where you don't just, have enough saliva yeah. yeah where you get the little bits of the flecks of white in either corner and it does well. happen to everyone but there are some people that do a lot of public speaking that mm. naturally don't have enough saliva and once you've heard sticky voice mm. and you're watching Newsnight or whatever it you can't unhear it and it's and he's got sticky breath. Gross. Mm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I I was watching this thinking he was going to be a friend pulling a prank. One of the boyfriends at the start. I was like, he's not going to be the killer. And then obviously, I was wrong. Yeah, we're wrong. And then he goes into the scare, scary attic. Tm. <laughs> so I get it because it's like, yeah, it's an attic. Why is there a chair covered in cobwebs? And why is there a rocking horse? Like, I understand it's a sorority house, uh-huh. but they're not children. So why are there several rocking horses? Could have been left there from the previous owners who sold it to the university yeah. to become a sorority house. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like the fact there's a That's a really chair. fact-based answer. Yeah. <laughs> that is legitimately how there could be an old carousel horse in there. And also, could the rocking chair not be homage to Psycho? I mean, she yeah. ends up in the rocking chair at the end up there. It's, She's in the rocking chair quite a lot, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, so feels like it's it's in the same universe. Uh, so let's meet the girls. The girls, Claire, Phil, Jess and Barb. So they're having a party. But Mrs. Mack, the housewoman, I didn't know what a housewoman was because I don't understand the fraternity sorority system. Um, but I, it took, so it basically took me a while to get who Mrs. Mack is. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, I was like... Who is she? Why is she hiding Someone's bottles nana? of booze in cut-out yeah. books? Yeah, especially because Barb is, like, carrying round a decanter. Mm. She's got no shave. So I was like, well, why do you need to sneak your booze? But she's... she's all about the sherry. Yeah. yeah, but also, again, she would smell of sherry. Like... No, she'd smell of the toilet from which the sherry has come. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> to- toilet sherry. So she's got it in the cistern at the back. Oh, I know, it's so good when How... she fishes it out of the loo. <laughs> she's quite the character, isn't she, Mrs. Mac? She's fantastic. Yeah. She's absolutely fantastic. Everyone called my nan Mrs. Mac, so I felt close to her. These girls would hump the Leaning Tower of Pisa if they could get up there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's the start of... um, Oh, actually, I was listening to our episode we did about... Oh my god, I've forgotten what it's called. Near dark, and you were mm. making me laugh about foreshadowing when uh, Caleb's like, "Can I have a bite of that?" Like, a bite? <laughs> no, you can't have a bite. And that did make me laugh. But someone at this Good. point says, "Can um, can we get all the men out?" And so they clear all the men out of the house. But obviously, not everyone, not every man, because our weird tacky breath person is in the attic already. Uh, that again is foreshadowing. Mm. So- Are you going to call him tacky breath person? <laughs> Call him Billy. I'll call him Billy. Okay. Yeah. You two obviously want to just do it. Just do two minutes on it. I must 
I'm going to kill you. Um, I think we should have a break now. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So um, I think this film does a very good job of, which slashes is not really my thing. Like, no, I don't... I, like, I'm, I'm with you. It's not my thing either. No. It's a, it's a oh, weird I genre to them. really love. Yeah, I think if we're going to do it, these two are the best ones that we're going to do. I mean, I like, but I do like Scream, actually. Scream, but Scream, is, Scream is the best one. Yeah, because it's so um, self-reflexive and postmodern and all the rest of it. But I don't love them because I don't get much character work. I just get women's bodies and there's not much there for me. But this film... <laughs> brilliant <laughs> <laughs> this film is, is good for me because we get some really good characterization for a slasher film especially with barb so barb's mum doesn't want her home for the holidays <laughs> you're a gold-plated whore oh, that's awesome <laughs> what a line what a line i thought i'll have that off you barb yep. that's fantastic um so we get the f- this is the first of the prank calls the obscene calls uh and as you have done such do you want to do it no again? vicky I'll it's just, your turn i'll just Come i'll on. just describe it sucking screaming no, gibbering just snorting. in the in the, in the voice. i don't even think i can do just, it just try i'm not gonna try, try. no try and try, no. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Come on, are you scared? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a tit. My problem with the phone calls isn't what Billy does, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I, honestly, it's just great, great gibbering and everything you said. My problem is that 
I think at some point, what's Olivia Hussey's character called? Jess. Jess. I think at some point, Jess needs to become aware that if someone doesn't say hello in the first three seconds, it's definitely Billy. Because there is about ten times this movie where she goes, <laughs> hello? <laughs> hello? Hello, and you're like, it's obviously, I know it's Billy, so you, hello, (laughs) hello, and you're just like, come on, Jess. Yeah. I mean, I think this first, right, two things. The first call is obscene, but the the other calls aren't obscene. Is this the sticking the tongue in various places? And you're going to do this and all the rest of it. No, so because it's obscene, the girls are kind of transfixed by it, which you would be. Um, but Barb's reaction is really believable because she's maybe the more, not confident, it's a false confidence. Well, she's a city girl. Yeah, so she's kind of used to it, I guess, or she does She's more sophisticated, like yeah, and she, she's used to giving men grief or whatever and so, yeah. um, and receiving it. And well, so, yeah. call him the Mona. It's the Mona. Yeah, and so two terrible things. would have been things. a good name for a slasher villain would be the Mona, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really catch on here. Was, yeah, yeah, and it sounds a bit like an old lady, you know, the Mona. I don't know. Um, anyway... But so two awful things because we set the we set the calls up as obscene. When they're not obscene, you're completely wrong footed because you you're in a sort of place of safety, which is like you you understand what to expect, and then you just get this horrible stuff about the baby and Agnes. But also, as you have done a very fine impression of already, it's all this nonsense, and it's hard to make out what he's saying, and then just says really calmly, "Calm as day, I'm going to kill you," yeah. and that's awesome. That's the, that's so good because it's, really it's just all this noise, and then I'm going to kill you. Yeah, but it's just really calm, really mm. not threatening just a, st- a statement of fact yeah and he you know he's a man of his word yeah so then poor old professional virgin claire <laughs> she's the first to get it and the bastard's only in her wardrobe um, which Hello, is Halloween. nice what a reversal because normally the virgin survives but yeah. Yeah, actually this time Very, the rules are out the window well there weren't rules mm, that's, that's the thing the rules came afterwards this is the first one and he did it the opposite way around yeah, yeah. she's but she's also that's what's good about this. she's not in terms of movie language, she's not perfect because she's seeing a boy and you live in a sorority mm. house, you're not really supposed to be doing that. But um, but she is. But she's only a professional virgin according to Barb and you can't really take her word for... You cannot. <laughs> I love Barb. Yeah, she's I would great. love Full to have it. a drink with Barb. <laughs> Talk about turtle. Just if you were If you were eight years old, you might be able to because yeah. she likes dishing it out <laughs> to the kids. <laughs> amazing. Well, she actually feeds a kid booze. Yeah, that's such a strange moment. It's great. It is. It's, yeah, there's part of this part there's like, okay, Barb, you've gone too far now. That's unacceptable. Mm. But yeah, it's not. It's the fact that no one stops her because people are there. Yeah, like uh, Claire's dad is watching, and yeah. Bob's just like, <laughs> "Fucking brilliant!" So I'm never sure. Like, I don't think I've got a high tolerance for horror films, but I get more scared of like creepiness rather than if I'm if I'm expecting blood or got like I couldn't watch Hostel. You know, like I can't deal with that. But I really, but like, don't look now. Is this next scary? week? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So because I know that there's going to be slashing and maybe blood and all the rest of it, that's where my brain was. And I was like, this isn't going to scare me. It's just going to make me go, oh, it's a bit yucky. But then when he wraps Claire in plastic, mm. that's when I suddenly understood why it was an 18. And if I'd watched this when I was younger, that would have frightened the shit out of mm. me. Like I was watching this on a train and it's that, the bit in plastic with her mouth open is the only bit that I got really self-conscious of my screen. It's like, there are other people that can see this and they're going to wonder what I'm watching. <laughs> is it also the fact that because it is the first slasher or the first of its ilk in the slasher genre... 
it just like it wrong foots you every time because mm-hmm. you were so accustomed to the rules that we've grown up with the scream rules and this doesn't follow them and because of that you're con- it makes you more on edge because you're not going and I know what's going to happen here oh, I know yeah. this and, and it it's going to follow this trope it feels much more naturalistic I think the performances feel much more naturalistic than what came after and then it it, it feels more real I think the murders they are quite slowly and um, it's drawn out and it feels like how it would look and feel in real life and so because there's not a supernatural thing as well like Michael Myers very quickly it just can perform his little vanishing act and you're like oh what's going on there it doesn't follow the rules of physics let alone the rules of a a slasher movie so in this it does genuinely feel like a mad guy wandering around the house from his point of view shot looking down the stairs climbing back up into the attic it all feels horribly feasible Mm. an issue for me was talking of climbing up into the attic. Claire dies in her bedroom because that's her wardrobe and he comes at her through the dry cleaning or whatever it is. Mm. So I thought she was in her bedroom for quite a lot of the rest of the film. Oh. So it's like, why the fuck has no one gone to her bedroom? Like, you've mounted a full search, but you haven't gone to her room. Then later on, it's clear that she's in the attic because he's put her in the chair. But there is this ladder, but it's a vertical ladder. So what's he's put a dead body on his back and shimmied up the ladder. Yes. Mm. Quite, that's got, quite hard he, work. He's got mad person strength. That's it's true. different strength. Yeah. But still no one goes to... We'll, we will come back to this a lot because I, I agree with what you're saying. That it's quite realistic and quite naturalistic for the, for the genre. The ev- but, you know, a man is looking for his daughter. They just never go in the attic. And I just think, you know, she could... Because it's an open hatch and it's Christmas, there's a conversation. Where it's like, maybe she went to get some Christmas decorations. Maybe she fell over. So we should check the attic. Like, it annoyed me that no one just thought to clear off that bit of script. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it looks like the attic isn't really... Like, people aren't even aware of it. Like you say, there's a chair up there with cobwebs on. It's full yeah. of junk. But it also because feels... the hatch is open, that's the only thing that bothered me about it. So he's always looking down over an open hatch. Mm. And if it had a trap door, a trap door, whatever, a door, that would make more sense. Right. Uh, we talked about Mrs. Mack and fishing her um, sherry out of the toilet. Her death's good, isn't it? It's really good because it's funny at first and then you realise she's still alive with the hook in her. So it's, it is quite funny because she's a, such a good actor. She does that uh-oh eyes when she sees Claire. What? what? <laughs> and then this hook comes and I was laughing and then, you know, Norm, the, the sound mix is so good that you can hear her on the hook and then it, you feel bad for laughing and it is really gruesome and very scary. Um, so this, this so I said about this subplot with like Claire's dad and this was, I thought this was a fun <laughs> He doesn't shift. seem, he doesn't, I think the film, and we can talk about this because this feels like a whodunit. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and that's, when we come to it, that's where this film falls down. Let's not do it now, but that is genuinely where this film falls down. But because Claire's dad seems very, very calm about everything, you put him on your little mental suspects list because yeah. he is not as nervous as he should be and he clearly hates the lifestyle of these girls. So who's to say that he isn't the one who's doing just, the just killing? Like gone mad, yeah. Equally, I feel very sorry for him. It's quite hard watching this knowing we know that his daughter's dead and he doesn't. And yeah. it's just sad for an hour, this poor man wandering around. We know this bad news is coming Not if you him. think he's the killer. Yeah. I mean, I think he, his attitude to the way that the sorority house is run, because we love Mrs. Mack because she's funny, whether or not we, what, we may be judging her for her drinking and maybe people were more harsh about her drinking at the time. 
But we, she's a comedy, she's doing a comedy performance and when she's covering up the picture of the naked couple yeah, and she stuff protects like her girls. Yeah, so we like her. So mm. when he judges her, we're on the side of the girls straight away. So we don't think of this house as like a den of sin for which the girls get the punishment that they deserve. We feel like they should survive and they should be protected and it's because we've got a good anchor on the other side of that moral equation which is the judgy dad kind of thing. Whereas without that, you don't throw it into relief quite as much, mm. I don't think. So I, I think that is a very clever touch. Um, like, So yeah, Mrs. Mac, you know, her girls are just having fun, but Jess has had too much fun mm. because she's pregnant with Peter's baby. Oh my God, Peter. Oh. Peter, Peter, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant. So, so Peter's been there a while. He's he's at college. He's been studying music for a long time. He hasn't slept for three nights, Chris. But he's, he's 38 years old, the man. It's so upsetting. <laughs> it's just crackers. When he says to her later, I've spent, I don't want to queue behind six people for a bath. And it's like, God, you shouldn't. You disgusting <laughs> man. You know, because obviously all the, the women are in their 20s, but you can kind of believe it. But the, I mean, this is clear. He's old. He just looks like a dad. <laughs> this is an interesting viewpoint that I took a few days after I'd watched it. She goes, to, Jess goes to tell Peter that she's pregnant, and it, and also to, it establishes because there is a. She says to him, "I wasn't even going to tell you," and you're like, "Why the fuck did you tell him? Like you you don't want his opinion necessarily. You're just doing the right thing." Quote marks. And we get to see that he's bad because he's like, "You can't make a decision like that," and all the rest of it. But then later on, it is the day of his recital and she could have told him at any point and she seems too innocent. But I was like, are you fucking with him? Which is great because he deserves it. But you could have told him tomorrow and you could have told him yesterday. But he's like, babe, I'd literally have to do this thing tonight. And yeah. it does, it messes it up for And he him. messes, he it, messes up. it up. Yeah. And what do you do when you mess up a recital? You smash the piano. Smash up. it up with a sledgehammer <laughs> that you have with you. <laughs> The recital might be important to him, but being pregnant is important to her. But it's also, she's not saying, I need help. I need money. I need your, I need your validation. She's just like, just FYI, I'm pregnant and I would like an abortion. So, so tell him tomorrow. So when, he's call, when he says to her, you selfish bitch, are you on her side? No, I'm on, I'm on, on, I'm, not on I'm never on his side because he's a bad dude. He's awful, isn't he? He's awful. Why um, have you brought a sledgehammer to the recital, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> Why have you got that with you? <laughs> um, so, yeah, another phone call. And like we said, they change and they're not obscene. And we hear a, different, a variety of different voices from Billy. So the backstory to Billy according to Bob Clark, is not what I thought. I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, Billy, Agnes was his baby sister. So, go on. just to clarify, this isn't in the film. This is some research yeah. you've done outside the film because we never, ever get any backstory to Billy in the no, film. No, it's right, outside okay. of it with um, an interview with um, Bob Clark. But when you watch the film, you try and join the dots, don't you? And you think you can Well, hear... you wouldn't if you hadn't had that interview with Bob Clark. I mean, you mean just from what Billy says? Just from what Billy says, I thought Agnes was a very, an actual inf- a newborn, an right. infant, and especially because then they try and thread the needle with like Peter's got this weird thing about actual babies, not children. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He says you can't kill the baby and that all comes up later. I thought Billy was in charge of Agnes one day, a baby, and killed her. And so Billy wears I thought I'm sure I heard him doing saying, Where's the baby? He, but anyway, he, he says, yeah, he says, you left Agnes alone with the baby. Kill the baby. What have you done with the baby? So according to Bob Clark, this backstory for Billy, but this could have changed over the years. Who knows? Uh, Billy is abusive. Billy abused his little sister and was abused himself and killed his parents, probably. But then locked Agnes up in a basement for five or six years and she escaped. And Billy doesn't like girls. And it turns out Agnes doesn't like boys. So she's not a baby. So she's like a, this captured sister in right. the basement. But she's not around in this movie. No, no. Okay. No. Um, 
Okay, so at this point, this is where I, I started to get. I know, I know what I'm like, and I know I'm a pedant, but I just I found it really frustrating. So Bob and Phil and Claire's dad go to the police rather than search the whole house, um, and it does drive me mad. <laughs> you're going to you really this attic it's thing. Gonna, it's going to be mentioned. If, it's geez, yeah, it's fine. It's, they didn't check the attic. It's fine if I don't know that Claire's body's up there, but I understand the anguish of watching a man search for his daughter who's dead. But script wise, I know what happened. So all these people going, "Where's Claire? Where's Claire? Where's Claire? She's in the attic." It's just do me a favor and just someone go. We couldn't possibly look in the attic, and I'm in. I'm all in. It's fine. But you just I have just to think do because that I don't think they think she's dead at this point. I think she's just missing. Yeah, but and that's more fucking annoying because you why know she's not. I don't think you'd ever think, well, she might have gone up to the attic. I, I, I literally, if you hadn't brought it up, I would never have had a problem with them not searching the attic. But what about you knowing she's dead and them not knowing she's dead, that's, irrespective of where everybody is? But that's fine. No, it's not. It's anno- It's fine for a bit and then it's just annoying. It's too, it's too, and then even by the bloody end, they're like, well, Claire's around somewhere, I guess. Like, fuck me. Like, go in the attic now. There's three corpses downstairs. <laughs> Surely uh, it's the job of the police to do a full search. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. I was just, I was fine with it. To be honest, I have a similar issue with Halloween. So it's, it's there's parity. Okay. I can tell you now, or we could just. Go on then. I'm Dr. Loomis. There's a madman in that house. How about you go in the fucking house then with a SWAT team and just get him? Like, get a warrant. It's not a problem. Death has come to your town, sir, or whatever You mean the Myers house? Yeah. He's like, he's, he even goes to the graveyard. <laughs> Judith's grave is gone. Get to the fucking house. He doesn't he checks the house? And but there's wait a, there's there with, dead, a, with there's, a team, with an army. He does wait there. I mean, if by any, himself. If anything, that's the most annoying thing, the fact that Loomis stands by a house for 90% yeah. of Halloween. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, where is the armed response unit? Is a madman and he's escaped. Oh, we, we can talk about this. I, I, my, I have a theory about Halloween where Loomis does not come out of it well. Uh, should we alert the local TV and news stations? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Don't do that. Mm, that kind of makes you culpable yeah, Loomis you've got blood is. on your hands maybe that's what it is um, so uh, just a quick question because I wasn't sure so Peter does his piano recital did he play a discordant song to be really contemporary or did he just really fuck up he a classical up. standard but really fucked it up? yeah he totally fucked it because Jess Okay, yeah, fair enough then. I thought he was he was experimenting with something, bit of Philip Glass, bit of whatever, but no, he was just trying to do Beethoven's Faith and was like, can't, yeah. just can't. Yeah, he was trying to play chopsticks. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it would work if he tried something experimental and they hadn't liked it. It wouldn't fit with anything. We need to believe that Peter has at this point failed because of Jess's news. Yeah. Okay. That's why he's motivated to kill her. Okay. Uh, so another girl has gone missing. This is a, an actual... I say actual child, I'm not being judgy, but I think slasher films, like, if you've had sex and you're a girl, uh, you're over 16, then you, you're you going to get killed. Mm. And you contrast that with an actual child with a concerned mother who's 13. But then in the 70s, you know I'm obsessed with, like, true crime podcasts and stuff like that. If you were 13 and you went missing, a police officer was liable to go, she's just run away. Like, there wasn't as much of a feeling of protectiveness over under-16s, maybe. What's the point of this subplot? I am unsure, actually, right. now you've said that. I just, I didn't understand what the point was. Does Billy kill the girl in the park? In which case, so. has he popped out of the attic with a, is it a chainsaw where you just hear a saw running or something and you never see the body, you just see them going, <gasps> Yeah, that's is, awful. Yeah, it's fine, yeah. but in a, it does sound like a chainsaw, but I just don't understand the relevance of this whole search for this little girl and how it ties into yeah. plot A. The other confusing element is the, the search in the park when they find Janice's body is for Janice because Janice's mum is there and the police officer says, we're here to find a little girl, yeah. off we go. 
Then Peter comes round to the sorority house and says to Jess, like, where have you been? And she's like, oh, we did, there was a search for Claire, so I had to go on it. Mm. So is that just a mistake or was she lying because she wanted she couldn't say to her boyfriend who is controlling and weird I just went on a search for a random 13 year old girl it had to be for Claire or was it for both of them no idea who knows in the same way I don't know uh, who the guys who feel like they've walked out of a carry on film are in the third act where they stick their head around the back door and go we're on the search for the girl I never understand scenes like that you see scenes like that where women are fucking titillated by stuff that isn't funny mm. so Jess and Phil they're like ha Oh, I'd rather be with the murderer. And it's like, what? What did I, I don't know? Am I so cynical? Like, but if Barb was still alive, she'd have shut the door in their face. Of course she but would. They're like, whoa, that's so entertaining. <laughs> um, this, I think this is a little bit of bad writing. Mrs. Mack now at this point is all alone and just really quickly he's like, oh, P.S., when you get back, I won't be here. So, because I'm going to my sister's, it's never been mentioned before, uh, but it's very important. <laughs> so, we spoke about Mrs. Mack gets it with the hook, uh, which is uh, awful. And we talked about mrs max death noises and it's also the same with barb like you see that glass horrible glass unicorn thing go in her mm. or you see the you see the the action of the unicorn it's a weird thing to say um but yeah you hear a lot of good death noises i think there's a great bit where billy uh it's another pov shot after he's killed mrs mac he goes mad in the attic and just yeah. starts smashing stuff up and you really get a feel even without seeing him all from his pov just how crazy angry he is. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like it's amazing to like build up an image of a killer without ever seeing him, which is just this sort of uncontrolled rage. You were talking about Barb's death though, and I think what's scarier than Barb's death is is Jess cutting to Jess and they're having to stand there while Christmas carolers are singing and all those faces <laughs> looking at you. And it's like, what? it just made me think, what is Christmas caroling about? I don't want to stand here while it's you're begging. all looking at it's me begging. and I'm looking at you and just go away. <laughs> but she's so sweet. She's like, oh, children. And they're just going, bah, 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 forever. Though, and it never stops. You'd be like, just here, have, have some money and, and go away now, please. <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't answer the door these days. Bunch no, of bunch of kids going, yeah, so get your fucking money. <laughs> so up until this point, the girls haven't mentioned to the police they're getting these phone calls, but now they do. My favourite moment is the world's shittest marriage proposal from Peter to Jess. It's so, it's so the dialogue's brilliant. I'm quitting the conservatory. Oh, Peter, you can't quit the conservatory. I'm quitting the conservatory and we're getting married. Fucking awesome. Like the old one too. I thought mm. it was brilliant. It, feel, it feels very progressive. It actually reminded me of Dawn of the Dead when she turns down his proposal. Yeah. Um, just because she's pregnant and he thinks it's what he's supposed to do. But she's great. She's Same like, yeah, 1978. Big year for turning down marriage proposals. Uh, 74. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, Halloween. But, um, but yeah, but, it, you know, she's great there, isn't she? She's like, I want to live my life. You wanted to do your thing. I still want to do yeah. my thing. We, we're not getting married and also it's so unappealing to marry Peter as well like you, you know he could paint mm. this pretty picture of like we'll get a house and we'll do this and we'll have holidays and it'll be lovely and we could be a real family and you think oh okay also, but you can't be alone be with him he's dead 20 years before you because <laughs> he's basically your dad <laughs> uh, anyway Lieutenant Fuller we haven't mentioned John Saxon he takes these phone calls very seriously so we get an old school phone tap which I love it's brilliant so good very ineffective just <laughs> running back which one is it? But I love the idea that, well, I wish I could have watched it in 1974 and been like, this is so exciting and technologically advanced. It yeah. would have been great to know how it worked. Though, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, it was unclear why one tap worked and the other didn't and what he was actually looking for on those massive machines.
machines. Because I did the research before I watched the film, I understood that the calls were coming from within inside the house. But they, it does does do a good script job, even though it's a bit like uh, they mention the second line and it's just dismissed by everybody. Mm. So did you register that like as in they're in the police station and someone goes what about this phone oh no don't worry it's a separate line and everyone goes okay cool mm. and that's fine because obviously it is that second line but i think it's good that you mention it in the script in order for the characters to dismiss it i can't believe that you do your research on a film before yeah, watching you, I know you the can't. film that's for you mad because what was great that. about watching this the first time when i watched it was that i thought there were there were two people and that there was someone outside he was working with and maybe it was peter and so that, that someone's doing the calls while he's doing the kills yeah I, it's, it probably is a mistake it's just not all the time no, it is <laughs> it's not probably about it. It's a three terrible years. idea. Oh, three you. years. Do you always do it? I thought it was just for this. Do you movie. read the Wikipedia's no, plot before no, you watch the film? No, I don't because I don't want to ruin. It. I don't look at the plot because I don't want to ruin it for myself mm. if I haven't seen it. But I will do some research. Yeah, because sometimes I like to see it in action on the screen. Right. Like all oh, this change. But you're not. This. But you're not really enjoying the. Sorry, film. was I asking for feedback on my process? I'm no. just surprised. This is just an honest reaction. I'm just giving you how I feel. <laughs> an honest. We're not, should I? Should, we're not annoyed. Reaction. We're not annoyed. We're just. Just disappointed. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's working, isn't it? Like, well, <laughs> we don't know. We've never we, seen it we, the other way. That's true. <laughs> we have nothing to compare it to. Perhaps if you watched the film first. I would be really good at this job. We'd be the top, one of the top moving podcasts <laughs> in the country. We are. We are. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. We are. And I'm already busking but it. But we so. could be even more top. Yeah. Okay. I'm fine. I won't take those notes, but cool. Thanks. It's all the same. Anyway. Well, have a, have a think about it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Barb is murdered with a shit glass unicorn. Did you notice the wreath on her door with the miniatures in it? No. She's got a Christmas wreath, but it's got little bottles of booze in it oh. rather, than, rather than baubles, which is really lovely. Oh, that's the advent calendar I want this yeah. year. Um, so Jess and Phil don't think anything of it, which is fine because Barb had had a very vocal asthma attack. I think that's all good. Later on, I'm a little bit annoyed because the caller upstairs is screaming his head off and it's Jess you, can't hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That I agree screaming. with. Yeah. yeah, you definitely would go, hang on one second. Hello, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Billy. But are you and Mrs. Maxwell just on the next floor up? That's, that's wild. So this is where the caller says, uh, does all the gibbering and whatever, and says just like having a wart removed, which is what Peter said to Jess about the abortion. So we're all like, ah, it's Peter. Um, I wondered about this. Now Jess doesn't really act on this, especially with Lieutenant Fuller. She doesn't say, oh, Lieutenant, this thing about the wart is in reference to an abortion that I would like to get. Is that because of the time? Because abor- was abortion legal or not? I should have looked it up and I didn't. And I wondered if you would know. Like, was it a shameful thing to do? Sure, this, illegal- sh- this should have fitted into the research you did before <laughs> yeah, watching yeah. the film. Yeah the, yeah, the law on Canada. Maybe if you'd watched the film and realised there was a scene about an abortion in it, then yeah. you could have done the research. But it's, afterwards. but it's meant to be set in the US. So when was Roe versus Wade? Anyone? It was seventy six. Okay, we're in business. Okay, <laughs> thank God, Jesus. Why don't you write the quiz yourself? At the end of this episode? <laughs> Is it about abortion? <laughs> 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 is it about the Supreme Court overturning basic human rights? No, no you, okay, cool. No, but you might win if it was. <laughs> it was 73, Red versus Wade. Was it? So this was, yeah, so this was... Look at him. He's was... got a fucking internet in front of him. An internet. Lord, an internet, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Vicky, I think you'll find due to my extensive advocacy work, it was 1973. So it was, definitely, it, it was definitely in the ether. People were, talk, people, were talking, people were talking about it because it had just happened. It just happened. Well, there you go. Anyway, so the phone tapping, that's not going very well. Um, we do a little bit of... It couldn't possibly be Peter because he was at the house when the first call was made. Fine. Then Phil gets it. Uh, we, we assume we just that all happens off screen. Um, Who's Phil? Phil, Phyllis, the other oh, housemate yeah, sorry, with the yeah, curly yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Then we find out the calls are coming from within the house. Uh, but like we said, it's good for the audience because it's new information with a little bit of breadcrumbs before that we would have dismissed. But, you know, would Jess not have heard these crazy levels of noise? Isn't, isn't there a funny bit where <laughs> uh, John Saxon is interviewing one of them um, about Claire's disappearance? And the three questions he asks uh, are... Mm, was she mental? <laughs> does, she, does she drink a lot? Yeah. Does she have any emotional problems? Who else was she seeing apart from Chris? Yeah, not so where the, did you the, see her last? Yeah, the three questions are, is she a drunk, a psycho or a slut? Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. That's the 70s though, man. <laughs> like, that's true. I mean, you'd be hard pushed now. Like, if you went into a police or oh, Vicky's gone missing, was she upset about anything? Like, not yes, us. every day. <laughs> everything, <laughs> all the time. Can you narrow it down? Men, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate men. I think we do need to clear this up because I don't want to get any... I don't want any of that shit coming near me. Um, I don't hate men. I love men. Love them. I like I Jess here, though, because she grabs a poker from the fireplace and goes. Mm. Yeah. Final girl moment. Yeah. Um, Nash, that's it. Nash, the one with the most Canadian... The, the Canadian... <laughs> he, this is brilliant. He's told to tell Jess to get out, but because he's been set up as an idiot... You think you're going to fuck this up? Like you are, you're going to be responsible for her death because you're somehow going to fuck up this one very simple thing, and he does, which is brilliant. Which leads sort of activates her into like you know um, going but after the baddie. How does he mess up then? He, he's not supposed to tell her the truth. He's yeah. supposed to just say, "Leave the house, leave the house, don't go upstairs." And then he says, "The the call is in the house." Mm. He's just supposed to instruct her to get out without telling her everything. But really, I mean, if someone said that to any of us, the caller is in the house. She's going back for what? She's going back because she. <laughs> still feels Phil is in there Phil yeah. she doesn't know Phil's dead exactly so she's going to have to be, yeah but you wouldn't would you you're no. like get out of the house there's a cop outside go get him yeah that's I mean he's point. dead as it turns out but at the point at that point she doesn't know that yeah um so but she doesn't know it which is I mean is that a frustration because we know it so we're like why don't you just leave like maybe we'd feel we'd understand more if we weren't sure if Bob and Phil were dead mm. this is the only moment where I was like no I'm not into this in terms of one of the reasons I don't like slasher films is it's very voyeuristic over like women's bodies and Barb and Phil are piled up together so he's rearranged their corpses like a tableau yeah which I don't I'm not into They've this film has done so well to not lean into that even though the thing it's leaning into hasn't happened yet because it's the first but it tells you something about the killer by doing that it's sure. like you get you get the understanding that he's like it makes him even worse than he has been already which is what you want just before the climax right I don't so. know I mean, he's already pretty bad. I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those moments. Which again, I'm I'm sort of front loading it all into this film. I just so many. You know, it's happened so much more later. Where you're supposed to go, oh, look at those dead women, and like, I wonder what that feels like. I think. Yeah, I mean, I see. I I totally understand where you're coming from. For me, it's it's more of an insight into the twisted mind of the killer yeah. than the doing it for the audience's titillation. Sure, we see Billy's eye, which you said is like the scariest thing. She, Jess shuts the door on him. As far as I can tell, that's all she does, and that's agony. He's like, no, he's, he's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I was. Like, what did he? What did she do? I know, she, but she just tracks his fingers. Maybe yeah, <laughs> you've got to show us a shot of a nail sticking out of the door or something for, the, for this sword. to work. Ah! <laughs> um, <laughs> what <My> nemesis? <laughs> and then we've got a showdown in the cellar, and it's, is it Billy or is it Peter or are they the same? And then cut two. She, we don't really get the big moment. She's mm. on the floor. Peter is dead. There's a small piece of blood on his head. We think Jess is dead but she's alive hooray so we have to get to this next scene because I just can't 
I, I really like this film. I cannot go up with, and it could be because it's of its time, but the authorities, rather than question her, she is a murderer. And yes, it's assumed it was in self-defence, but it is only assumed it was in self-defence because Peter is a man. But fine, OK, I can work with that. They've made the assumption yeah, he's a serial point. killer. Yeah. The, they've made the assumption he's a serial killer, yeah. sure. But there are still so many questions, mm. given that there's two bodies upstairs. So they, they go, oh, Peter killed Bob and Phil... And Jess killed Peter, Correct. which is what we think. Yeah. But their job is to investigate the, the shit out of things and be certain, not just go, he's a man, they're women, he killed them, she killed him, let's go home. It's Christmas Eve, though. They've got families to go to. They're, but then they drug her. <laughs> I just can't go with it. Where they're like, well, she'll be out for four hours at least. <laughs> so four hours isn't all night as it, well. It's not the drugging her, it's the then leaving her on her own. Yes. Like, imagine if she woke up early, she three hours in it, and she's like, ah. But also, Claire's dad, Mr. Fucking Harrison goes, oh, I feel so dizzy. They're like, hospital now! Hospital for this man! <laughs> he's in shock. He's in shock. Poor She's bloke. presumably in shock because she just murdered someone. Well, we can just knock her out for a bit, to be honest, and come back in the morning. But Mr. Harrison gets a healthcare professional to take care of him. It's such a weird moment. It, it but also, works for the film, though. How scary yeah, you're, you're, is it when Jess is in there? Because I'm like, I, I, I forgot logic because I was like, this is... Absolutely terrifying being left on your own. Yes, ridiculous, but at a point where you're like, she's on her own in that house, unconscious, unable to defend herself like she did a moment ago. Yeah. And there's a killer still there. I mean, my problem with it is it's the same. I have the same problem with Halloween. You you set up a final girl and then you rob her of everything. Like, she's tooled up, she's done the job, and now she's drugged so that Billy can come and get yeah, her. These were proto-final girls now. You sure, made that yeah. movie now and she'd have, like, put a fucking stake through Billy's head. Yeah, she would. Um, <coughs> and so we pan through what's left behind, which, again, which also happens in Halloween, and there's blood and these suitcases that Mrs. Matt didn't get to take. And then there's some giggling in the attic. The police are fucking awful. They didn't even have a look upstairs. It's fucking attic. Oh, please stop. Please stop talking about the attic. I've written it down. Please stop talking about the attic. I, I understand what you're saying about a woman in peril. I, that's, I just obviously find that irksome. The scariest thing to me about the ending of the film is that Billy is unaware that she's been drugged and he's still on the phone. So do you know what I mean? Like, Billy might be able to see. Billy doesn't care who's awake, who's alive, who's whatever. He just wants to be on that phone. That's the scary thing to me. Like, Mm. because if he knew she was out cold, he'd be like, well, I'll wait till she wakes up in a minute and then I'll ring her and and taunt her. But he's just like, he just needs to talk and get his, you know, do his thing. And he's going to keep ringing until someone picks up. It's not about the girl. It's about him. So she's safe then. I, I did. I felt a bit of comfort in thinking that she was kind of safe because it's not about her. It's about him. Mm. He definitely, a big thing is in wanting attention. Yeah. It makes me think of an incel. Um, you know, he immediately starts off with, it's me, Billy. It's me. Billy. And it's like, he take, take notice of me. Hear yeah. me. Listen to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I just, I found the ringing of the phone, irrespective of who is or is not alive in the house, that was the most chilling bit. Um, well, I mean, Peter, obviously an arsehole, but poor Peter. He he gets done for the, all the murders and he gets killed by his girlfriend. <laughs> and he failed his piano recital. <laughs> I mean, yeah. for such a hateful character, it's a pretty grim ending for yeah. him. Yeah, and then I wonder, are we supposed to think that he'd gone on some rampage and he killed the girl in the park? So that's... Fine. Yeah. I don't. I actually don't know. Like he is wearing the same flares as, as the, the killer. So yeah. yeah. Um. That's it. We're done. Nice. Let's do the bits. Sure. Uh, Chris, what was your best scene? Um. Oh, I'm torn. I'm torn between two. I was going to wait for you to do yours. Uh, I can come back. I to think. You. I think Barb's death is brilliantly shot. 
I think that's very effective. But I'm going to go for that ending with Billy in the attic. For me, it's not even the phone ring. It's him sort of singing the nursery rhyme. Yeah. Um, I just, it's just a chilling ending. And you? Uh, funny, uh, Bob's death mm. is what I have yeah, as well. With the you, the glass unicorn statue, it's one of those that really works because, like you said, you don't see a lot. You certainly don't see the unicorn statue going into her, but it, it works because it feels like you are seeing that, like the psycho death. You never yeah. see the knife, you never see anything going in. But again. I was just like, that's nasty. Or, and I don't feel we talked enough about this man on this episode, but never mind. Any scene with Doug McGrath as Sergeant Nash. Yeah. uh, He is hilarious. His face makes me laugh. When I close my eyes and think about Doug McGrath's face, he's just brilliant in Mm. this. Like, as the stupid desk sergeant, fellatio, sir. It's like, but I thought wow. he, he looks flustered. So I thought he knew what fellatio no. is, but he's like, well, I'm not going to tell her she's lying no. and maybe it is a new exchange. And then later on, when he says, oh, it's something dirty, that you get that man so much, like he would think that's dirty. Like he wouldn't want it, anything to do with it. I uh, thought that was brilliant. I mean, apart from John Saxon a little bit, the men in this film are incredibly ineffective yeah. and the sisters have to do it for themselves. And I quite like that aspect of it as well. That seems quite ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, mine is so it's weird that it's not the same as yours it's the first phone call because it felt I, I think they're I think they're hard to write from if you're a man writing that to understand a woman's perspective in that like I don't know it's easy for them to go oh my god that's so gross and put the phone down but really there's a part of you that is transfixed when someone is talking in that way like we have talked about this before but I've like we've I've had an obscene phone call and like flashes have you really yeah they were big in the 80s. They were, yeah. And it I could think the mobile been... phones kind of wiped them out now, yeah. but they were big in the 80s. No, I never had one. Yeah, and it is, it's like that. Like, mm. But you put the phone down because <laughs> it was a child. And then we had like a flasher at school and stuff like that. And you don't, you're not grown up enough to humiliate them. So it, it was quite uh, cathartic that Barb takes charge and does it. Mm. But the, you are, there is a bit of you that's like, this is so wrong that you're like, oh! Like, just transfixed by it a little bit because you're hearing words that you know are bad and, and stuff like that. And you're too out, too young to sort of process the threat of it. And I don't know, I always think of sorority girls in the 70s as a little bit more innocent. Like, they are they're sort of more shocked by it, apart from Barb. Um, I just thought it was really, really well done. And it's good because it's the rug pull later because the next phone call is just going to be the same and it hits you harder because it's not. It's, it's terrifying stuff. So, yeah. Mm. Um, what's your uh, most valuable whatever, Alex? So it's going to follow on from uh, your best scene, the first phone call. My valuable, my most valuable whatever is actually a whatever uh, this week, uh, which is the conceit of the obscene phone calls that the house keeps getting. Um, and the phone calls in general, even when they stop being obscene and are just scary, I just think they're brilliant. I think the way they're executed in the film is brilliant, uh, rather than just heavy breathing, the gibberish, the nonsense that comes down that phone call. I was watching it on my own, and I was genuinely unnerved mm. and scared it's by those phone calls well I'll do my next because it's Nick Mancuso for doing those voices and there were other people that did like Bob Clark did a few as well but broadly him because they are fucking terrifying Mm. imagine the audition where he's like have you got anything yeah listen to this (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he stood on his head as you said to compress the thorax and he also said he went into a trance like state when he was doing it and in the behind the scenes documentary they you see him doing it um, for and it says on screen uh, the Billy is watching commentary now, I couldn't find evidence of this, but I think somewhere out there, there might be a commentary over the top of this film of him doing Billy, watching the watching film in the Billy voice. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It's terrifying because it's stream of consciousness, 
but it's really engaging because you get you know you're watching it as a you you know liking horror films so you're you listening for those key hooks yeah so you can't stop listening it's it's um as you said it's nick mancuso it's bob clark there's a woman's voice in there and they used a new instrument at the time called a harmonizer to detune to, to make them sound the and I, I think it, it's comparable to Gollum it reminds me of Gollum because yeah. you're trying to fi- figure out if there's more than one person on this phone line as well Yeah, and so it's like Gollum talking to himself so uh, my MVW is also Nick Mancuso for that reason oh that's good mm. and what would you change Alex? so this whole movie is set up as a whodunit it's a movie where they're leaving breadcrumbs here and there suggesting that it could be Peter could it be the dad who is it going to be and so the fact that we never ever get a payoff as to who the killer was I find incredibly incredibly unsatisfying I couldn't believe it when it ended I don't even mind like not the, the killer not being a character we've met before even if it's a madman who we see at the end who gets his comeuppance and is revealed and you're like oh my god or you see Billy properly not just on a lightened image on Reddit then I just I, I want that I, I really felt like it was it almost got there and it just could not stick the landing because the end of this film is just really, really unsatisfying. I think, you know, it works for the children's story, the horror story, the ghost story it was based on because that lasts all of five minutes. But having invested an hour and 45 in this movie, I need more closure than Mm -hmm. this offers. So that's my big change. What about you? I disagree. I like the unsettling nature of that ending without... Uh, understanding who Billy is and what his motivation is. But I'm with you. I, I, the reason I said earlier I think Scream is the best slasher is because it's a whodunit every movie. Yeah. And so there's a mystery that they've, you've got to unravel, which the other um, slashers don't have. So I think we need more suspects here uh, because Peter's our only suspect. As far as I thought, you're saying the dad was a suspect. I'm saying make the dad a suspect. Mm. So I, didn't, I, I feel like the dad should show up with the mum and the mum can do the job of the grieving while the dad just seems weird yeah. and maybe isn't around when certain things happen and so that's not the story they were trying to tell i understand that but it would have been interesting if there were two more suspects alongside peter and you'd then still have the ending not reveal who the maybe so i like this ending i'm not saying i would change it i'm i i I just um i think that would be a direction you could go in but your version actually makes me even more frustrated because then it's like it's even leaning more into the whodunit and providing you with more suspects and then still going and actually that was a waste of your time and energy because you don't know I like the not knowing though. Mm. Um, I also and the, and the, and the, and the musician said this. Uh, the uh, it needs it needs an iconic horror theme. And in an interview with him, he said, "If I'd known this was going to be such a big deal, I would have worked harder on the score." <laughs> <laughs> he said, there's, "There's bits I like in the score, but there's bits that I don't like." And he said, "I just you know I wish I'd had more time." Is that your change then? Um, more, more suspects. suspects. Yeah. So I, two things. I think Phil should get her own death scene and maybe she nearly wins because she, throughout this, she's kind of like resourceful, steady. She's not drunk. She tells Barb to go to bed. But apart from her having a cold, <laughs> that's about as much as you know about her. So I'd like Phil to get her own scene where you see the death, but maybe she's the one that nearly survives, mm-hmm. but doesn't. But also, and I not understand, I am conscious that this is just modern eyes. I don't think you should drug your heroine at the end and take her out of the action I think you have to give her the moment that she's earned and she wakes up and she's possibly even been faking it because she understands that these police officers are fucking inept or whatever and if you've made a bit more of the friendship the trouble with sorority houses because we don't have them we don't know if they really are friends or if it's just like housemates, flatmates that you don't really know. If it was like, these are my girls and this fucking nutter in the attic has cost me everything 
and now the police have gone because I've pretended that I'm drugged and I'm all innocent and I'm asleep. And I've but already I'm not, killed one person. And I've killed one person, I've got a taste for it, and I'm not really asleep. And now, fucker, now I'm coming for you. And that should be the final shot, is her waking up. Ding! I'm not asleep. The police will never figure it out because they're stupid or whatever, and she goes to get him. Can she do a monologue about who he is as she's walking towards the <laughs> attic with an axe? Because then, then that ticks mine and your box. Yeah, maybe. It's like, I've worked out who you are, Billy. Billy. <laughs> I, the, the, the one thing that connects them is the remake of Black Christmas, the first remake, and the remake of Halloween, are, are two films where they really explain who the villain is in quite a boring way, I think. So watch that, because then you get everything, the whole backstory and, and all the motivation for the killer. And it's much less interesting. All right, that's Black Christmas done. Merry, Merry Christmas. Do you want to do a quiz? I've written a quiz. Oh, all right then. Wow. What, what are the chances? Um, okay, this quiz is called Kill Counts. Oh, all right. So I've used a website called Geek Insider, which has figured out how many kills each slasher has done across their movies. Mm. Um, it was from 2019, so it's up to that point. So I'm going to tell you, to be clear, I'm going to tell you the name of the slasher, and I'm going to give you how many movies and up to which one. And then you've got to give me the number of people the slasher killed. This character, not other people in the film, this character killed. Closest answer wins. Closest answer wins. And uh, we'll go one to the other. So you both get a guess. Okay. Obviously. So Vicky. <laughs> yeah. Chucky. We're talking eight movies yep. up to the most recent reboot. Uh, eight films. Mm, uh, 40 people. Alex. <sighs> 38. <laughs> 44 points oh! to Vicky. You're up first this time, Alex. Uh, Pinhead. We're talking nine films, and this doesn't include the recent reboot that hasn't even come out here yet. Okay. Uh, I'm saying 29. Vicky. 38. 38 is correct. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the pin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can see it slipping away. Vicky. Yep. Uh, Jason Voorhees. Uh-huh. Uh, 11 films yep. up to and including the reboot. Uh, how many kills? <clears throat> 85. Alex. 80. 171. What? I mean, he's fa- I mean, he's killed more than anyone. He is he I just is can't the man. imagine 171. There was that bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, back to you. Oh, God. This is a big one now, yep. or a little one, because it's Leprechaun. And there have been eight Leprechaun films. Uh, 72. 56. Point to Vicky, 51. Oh, my God! <laughs> Vicky. Yeah. Freddy Krueger. Yep. Uh, nine films up to the reboot. I just need one back now. Otherwise, it's going to be, I think, the first time. We're getting close to whitewash. Yep. 40. Alex. 48. Uh, it's 42. Vicky gets it. Oh, my <laughs> God. Alex, this is the last one. Oh, my White, God. Potential whitewash happening. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Myers. Um, 10 films, up to and including the 2018 reboot. So not the last two movies. So 10 films. Michael Myers, how many? 59. <sighs> Fuck it. 58. Point to Alex. Yes! Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm it's chuffed a, about and not a whitewash. It's 105. Is it? Because wow. it's Michael Myers. <laughs> Congratulations. And, then. Alex, you would, have, you would have liked the tiebreak question. We'll do it now. Yep. Um, how many people has Jaws killed? Uh, Vicky, uh, you can go second. Alex, how many people has Jaws killed? Jeez, 20. 20. 20. 
I'm not going to ask you, Vicky, because it's 20. Yeah! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Yeah! Woo! Just to be clear, <laughs> who won that quiz? Uh, yeah, but that, that's the real quiz. That's the real quiz. That's the real quiz. That's the real quiz. Who won the quiz? Chris. Uh, we go outside and we throw a kettle over the studio. Chris, listen. I'm, look, I'm getting, <laughs> getting really emotional and angry. Let's let the listeners decide. Yeah. No. no. George, did, you I won, it, did I get it right on with when George? When he's not speaking. 20. Wesley, shut up. You won five. One. Thank you. Very, very well done. Thank you. Exactly 20, though. Jaws, exactly <laughs> amazing. Uh, right, congratulations, Victoria. Thanks. Well done. Uh, what's the clue? Uh, it's still UV. It's yep. your choices next week. What's the clue? <laughs> this is uh, a bit weak. Uh, next week's episodes are all relative. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Great. Oh, thank you. They're Lovely. all relative. Yeah. Yep. They're literally all relative. It's They're good. literally all yeah. both It's very relative. good. It's very good. <laughs> They're yeah. all relative. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Thanks. It's great. Uh, okay, then. That is your clue for next week. There'll be another coming your way on our Twitter, where we are at ClashPod. And that is it for this episode. A uh, quick reminder, if you haven't done already, or you have a friend who likes movies, or lots of friends, that would be great. Please ask them to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever they get their podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ClashPod. And also check out our brand, Spanking new YouTube channel, Clash of the Titles on YouTube. We'll be back on Thursday where we're trying to survive a night of hell in Haddonfield with Halloween. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.